all is a blessing. Come on in. Come back home. Come on in. Greetings, greetings. Neophyte for course, tourists, welcome, beloved. F. Marie, greetings, greetings. Faith Tree Creative, come on in, beloved. Welcome, welcome. All is a blessing. All is a blessing. I acknowledge and honor the ancestors. All is truly indeed a blessing. Come on in. I symmetry, welcome, beloved.
Divine All Blessed. Eshualegwana kosi were awa unlo uto ni iwo ada afan bo osi o batala mi ita ni ibo onilio aban eshu eshu is the respected elder who flogs confronts and uncovers fools that one versed in mysteries uses truth to own you he causes scatter to feed poverty o batala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu, Aboru, Aboye, Aboshishe, Ashe. May our Ebo reach our room. May our Ebo be accepted. May our Ebo allow what we desire to come to pass. And so we say, Ashe, Asheo, Ashe. Divine, all blessed peace and love, elevation, revelations, and manifestation. You are now sitting again live with the Divine Prince. Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagoon Oloye, Hudu Obeya Bokur, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African Hudu world spiritualist perspective, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing If you can just see beyond the veils, for it is all just an illusion and a test in one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is indeed my constant prayer, my personal mantra, affirmation, reverberation, and reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. It is crucial to the very foundation upon which I stand my walk, my works, my being, my foundation, my demonstration, my track record, my resume, and my record along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is how I, Divine Prince, make sense out of all that we're challenged with here in our daily existence on this Mother Father Earth. And it is my personal place of power and understanding. It is the place from where I began and realized and crystallized all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny. I and I alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality. And so it is, I say. I greet you this would-be stormy Monday, August 24th, 2020. And you are now listening, of course, live and always virtually, cosmically, quantumly, quantum universally from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince in various platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Periscope, My Earth Cam page, Facebook, wherever you might be viewing this from or experiencing this with us in this present moment in time space, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you and I acknowledge the ancestors who stand up with you and who come here with us in any given moment, but particularly on Stormy Monday in this particular divine moment in time space. It's being said never before has two hurricanes intersected together where the river meets the ocean. It's being said that never before has, you know, this scenario, this particular scenario 
presented itself that we here who live and coexist and love the Gulf, Gulf Coast have our very living and, and indeed our, our being. But it is not without connection to the spirits. It is not without connection indeed to the ancestors. And as I've been saying for many years, not just on StreamYard, but for those of you who, who've been following me since Blog Talk Radio, this ain't supposed to be for us. Uh, understand. Understand. We don't have a culture. We don't have a tradition. We don't have gods and goddesses. We don't have a legacy. Let them tell it. Outside of those that exist beyond our water. It's the very story that's been said about the African enslaved in, in, in America since the early 1700s, since the late 1600s, when we were forced here, when we were brought here, it's been said. And it's one of the lies that endures, no matter how well it's painted, no matter how well you gloss it over, no matter how uniquely you, you tie your words together. It's still a lie. It's still a lie. It's still an untruth. It still does not speak to the authenticity of whom each and every one of us under the sound of my voice and in in this sacred space and that which exists within the very DNA, which is in our blood. Indeed, at your very conception, at the moment that blood was first introduced to the coming embryo, the coming fetus, the the coming child, your ancestors were present in that moment. Your ancestors have been present in every moment until we take that last breath, until we move forward into the spirit realm for fix and repair and renewal, renewal, if not moving on to the next level of evolution. So particularly on this day, this ritual calendar of things, when we acknowledge the power of God to speak to us through divination, the power of God to speak to us through channeling and and transpossession, as has been passed down to us through the very ancestors which stand up in our blood, stand up in our veins. Indeed, a reminder of ever-present divine intervention, ever-present divine awareness, an ever-present moment in any given time space in which to hear God clearly, in which to hear spirit clearly. And I often say, as my mom taught me, God speaks in a soft, still voice. It's not going to argue with you. It's not going to debate with you not going to go back and forth with you in in your ego and your feelings and and your lack of understanding. God speaks in a soft, still voice. And it's for that reason, often we don't see destiny. We can't hear destiny. We can't interpret destiny because God speaks in a soft, still voice. But your ancestors will box your ears, will box you over the head, will show up in real world, earthly, human terms that help you to understand that you might have to slow down. You might have to stop. You might need to take a break. You might need to reassess your role before you get rolled on. 
before you get rolled on, understand this ain't a popularity contest. What part of this ain't a popularity contest is not getting through? You didn't like me yesterday. You didn't like me the day before. You didn't like me last week. You didn't like me two years ago. You didn't like me five years ago. And indeed, you're still listening. You're still observing. You're still watching. You're still inviting others to share in this in this wonderful ministry. And I'm not talking about the people in which I have great gratitude for, those who are here present in this room. I'm talking about the haters. Understand, your haters are your biggest fans. They're checking your pulse before your mom and them, before your friends and them, before your, your closest peers. How, how often does your blood sister brother show up in your social media stream? But you can be sure the haters will be present, and particularly if there's something to be had, something to be gained, something of value. Value. Now, in the words of Bob Marley, who who the who the scap fit? Let him wear it. I throw my corn, but I call no foul. I called no foul by name. I called no individuals by name. I spoke to no specific practitioners by name. So, those of you who are getting the secondhand information, you you got a lot of homework to do to go back and 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 relive my podcast, my broadcast, to get the truth about why you're in your feelings today. There is no competition between authentic voodoo and witchcraft. There is no competition between authentic ATR demonstration. And any manner of modern-day New Age witchery that anyone might conceive of, it's not new. It's rather ancient. It's as old as, and ancient as advertising, as marketing, as labeling, as packaging things up real, real pretty, you know, as, as snake oil, etc. And what cannot be corrupted is that binary code which stands up in Osei Ifa, in Afa, in Fak, the very divine essence of coded letters that fall on the divination board within the confines of authentic voodoo. Now, if you operate in a system outside of that, I'm not, never was talking to you, still ain't talking to you. Just don't mix witchcraft with voodoo. Just don't mix your paganism with voodoo. Greetings, Oracle Treehouse. I appreciate you, beloved. Oracle Treehouse, um, she one of my divine witnesses. <laughs> so Oracle Treehouse been here since I came out the gate. If anybody can speak to the consistency of my word, my message, what I teach, what I stand on is Oracle Treehouse. I'm always grateful when the Oracle Treehouse great practitioner in her own right comes through and steps stands up in the room. I appreciate you. Greetings. Those who are most worked up about what I have to say, what I've had to say, we're not even in the same lane. We're not even in the same ball, ballpark. I, I'm not here to be fortune teller of the year. Voodoo is not fortune telling. 
Voodoo is not fortune telling any more than it is witchcraft. That's not voodoo. That's not the foundation of what voodoo is. Not that the root of what voodoo is. It's not the legacy of what voodoo is. It's not the history of what voodoo is in any footprint in which you would find it in the world, on the continent or in the the Americas, from South America to, to North America. What we are seeing is an appropriation, is a bastardization, is a mix of modern feelings and philosophies and nuances and political correctness and, and taste that are now being interjected as somehow authentic. Stand up in your truth. Stand up in your tradition. Stand up in your, in your practice. But call it what it is. Call it what it is. I, I don't call what I do yoga any more than I call what I do Buddha, any more than I call what I do Islamic, any more than I call what I do Christian or, or, or Catholic. And it is indeed voodoo. Voodoo with four O's. Now, now you could argue about your use if you speak French. We can argue about your use. Uh, and, and I'm not, nor have I ever, going to give platform or, or, or space to someone who doesn't even have my resume, you'd have to learn a lot. You'd have to practice a lot. You'd have to sit at many people's feet, many of whom aren't even with us. May they rest in a room anymore before we can even hold that kind of conversation. I'm grateful for what I have available to me. I'm, I'm grateful to take great stewardship over what is for me. What God has for me is for me. What the ancestors have for me is for me. And so every moment of my day that I'm not sharing, that I'm not giving, that I'm not teaching, much of what many of you see of me is is right here in this two-hour, three-hour sacrifice out of my life (laughs) each and every day. Much of what you see is, is that demonstration right here. Right here. And when I'm not here, I'm making inroads to move voodoo forward for everyone, not just for me. And particularly for New Orleans, particularly for Louisiana, particularly for those descendants of this tradition that carry this lineage within their bloodline, within within the very DNA structure. It's indeed why I do what I do in any kind of weather. So I'm grateful, 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 grateful for for any amount of, of attention, any amount of moment that a person takes out of their day, five minutes, an hour, two hours to intersect with my truth, my truth. You can't erase my truth any more than you can erase my experience. Any more than you can erase my walk. And, and if indeed it could be given away, I'd give it to you. I'd, I'd gratefully give you all the pain, all the years of being on the street, all the years of, of being a child abandoned on, on the side of the road, I'd, I'd gladly gift it to you. I would gladly gift it to you. So be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you covet. Be careful what you miss judge 
I'd gladly gift you what I've had to pay for to be where I stand. I'd gladly gift it to you. Hands down. Without even an argument, <laughs> I'd, gift, I'd gift it right to you. You can have it. You can have it. What's for me is for me. Is for me. My greatest posts aren't rants, aren't raised. My greatest posts aren't digs at other people. <laughs> My greatest posts aren't attacks on, 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 on the haters and the supposed practitioners in the world. That's, that's not my footprint That might be why you're in your feelings But that's not my footprint Do your homework Do your homework Before you come for me I gifted to you What I've even a breath <laughs> If the skeleton key Was possible I'd, I'd breathe it right on you I'd breathe it right on you I'd give you my experience My heartache, my pain I'd, I'd gift it to you. I'd gift it to you. If that kind of witchcraft exists in the world, come on. If that kind of exists, if that kind of witchcraft exists in the world, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. And and, and you kitchen witches can do all you can do, and all you can try, and exhaust your resources when you could be focusing on the work. When you could be focusing on memorizing, you could be focused on learning, expanding, evolving, exploring more that is available to each and every one of us, each and every one of us. I walk my path. I don't cover anybody's path. I don't, I don't have a, a feeling of jealousy or envy for anybody's path because I don't know what horror you may have experienced what horror you may have had to endure to get to where you are, to get to where you stand. So that the adding on of anything else to that is just foolishness, foolishness, particularly once you get past a certain age. You're hard-pressed to rewrite someone six, six years shy of 60, their history, their record. They footprint to appease some modern trend, mind you, because this is a trend. This is a trend. When enough of you get yeast infections and whatnot from inserting yoni eggs and whatnot into your private crevices, you might wake up. If you're not too damaged by then, you might wake up and get a clue that there's more to this. I say it. Almost every day, there is no voodoo without the fa, without ifa. There is no ifa without voodoo. There is no voodoo without earth, without the plants, without nature. And there is no voodoo without the spirit of divination. It is indeed our Bible, if you want to call it that. It is our our rule of protocol and how to act and how to be and how to bring balance to our lives. But it, but it requires work. It requires effort. It requires consciousness. And just as God speaks in a soft, still voice, God can't inhabit no vessel that's, that's not clean. God won't set up no space in this house 
with a whole bunch of clutter. And, and those two things cannot compete with one another. One will push the other out. One will move the other one, sweep the other one to the front. One will dominate your energy, your power, and your resources. All that dark, ugly stuff that y'all working up take a lot of energy. Take a lot of energy, take a lot of resources, and, and then if you're burning as much sage and candles as y'all claim to be, it take a lot of money. A lot of money. Th- that could be going into your initiation. That could be going into your education. That could be going into the development of your, your business, the be- development of your ministry, the development of your platform. And moving that forward in a way in which you will see fruit in its due season. Greetings, greetings. Uh, Anika Kane, welcome, beloved. Welcome. And if you have a question or a comment on the phone line, please do press the number one and I will open your mic and allow you into the conversation. I do see I had some people parked on my switchboard. Greetings, who do occultism? We need to talk. We need to talk. Things are going really good, and we need to talk about it. <laughs> okay, all is a blessing. Greetings. Neophyte Bokur, greetings, greetings. Let's talk about the storms. Let's talk about the hurricanes. Let's talk about doing the work. Uh, Neophyte Bokor, you know I can't copy and paste your email from the from the chat, and now everybody in the chat gets your email, except me. <laughs> okay, you do better to email me unless you're talking to somebody else. Oh, he's talking about who do occultism. Oh, okay. Let me put that back up. Forgive me, y'all. I got to read through. Okay, I see you. Greetings, y'all. I want to send out greetings and salutations aboru aboye to Awo Akalana and Juju Power for all the work that he does, um, seen and unseen for our community. Um, I, I give a lot of respect and honor to Brother Akalana, Awo Akalana, um, for what he does, um, and and give great acknowledgement to where he should gain greater a greater deal of credit uh, for doing work for not just his family and his community, uh, but just as many of us true spiritualists do for the city. And so I'm grateful for his work in relation to the two hurricanes and the EBO that were performed um, somewhere in, in, in a space of time in honor of of placating the forces and the powers and the, the Orisha in particular that would stand up at a particular moment like this. And so I'm, for one, bear witness to its, its ability to move storms. And so storm number one, really not much of anything in, in New Orleans at all. No rain, the sun is out, um, sun is shining, weather is sweet, makes you want to you know, move your seat to the rescue. Here I am. Um, weather is great. Now, we are concerned about Laura, what might happen with Laura. Laura could be a two. Laura might be a three in terms of categories. 
the storms. Uh, many of us in my community, um, we're not leaving. We're, we're sort of hunkering down. Um, so please keep an eye on us. Please keep an eye on Courageous Umi and, and Texas. Please keep an eye on, on the Mississippi coast. Please keep an eye on, on all of the coasts that could otherwise, Alabama, be affected um, by the effects of, of Laura and what Hurricane Laura may or, or may not do. And so I give great honor to those who are doing the work, seen or unseen, recognized and unrecognized. Now, because I say doing the work, seen or unseen, doesn't mean that I changed my <laughs> You know, doesn't mean that I changed my position on operating in isolation. No, no authentic practitioner operates in isolation. I'm, I'm giving honor to that which is seen and unseen because I know that it's unseen by many, but it's indeed seen by those who are a part, privy to it, who are part of it, who are participating in it, who are contributing to it, who are bringing positive energy to a thing. And not all things do you even want to bring to social media for the the event of people projecting negative energy onto a thing. Um, I'm very crafty about what I post, when I post it, whether you believe that I am or not. Um, Often my shrine work has been moved around before I I, I will post a picture. Often things have been readdressed um, before I really share certain aspects of, of what we do and and how we do it and how we operate from it. Um, no more than some of you don't believe in, you know, jinxing your goodwill, you know, when, when you got your fingers crossed, you know, for something. So there's a, a level of ancient truth in, in sharing all your goodness and sharing all, all your secrets. So just know it's coming, and, I, and I'm grateful for it, in, indeed. Um. Greetings, Coco Monday. Greetings, beloved. Greetings, greetings. Spiritual offset. Welcome back, beloved. Sterling Miller, I haven't seen you or heard from you in a moment. Are you, uh, let's see. Are you with me, Sterling? I see you in the chat. If you're on the phones, um, your hand isn't raised, and I don't have your phone number memorized. It's 845-277-9143, I know I said it at least once because I have some people already with me, and I'm sure I have some regulars who know the number well. And when you are ready with your question, comment, or request... Just type the number one on your telephone keypad, and I'll be more than happy to open your mic and bring you into the conversation. Are we done with witches already? Are we Are we really? <laughs> Don't we have much more we want to talk about, we want to discuss, we want to say, we want to rebuke and refute and go back and forth about? Is that not why we're so here? Thank you to Goddess Initiative. Um, yeah, it's always going to be in progress <laughs> with me. It's never going to be, um, 
Well, first, uh, an altar is never really stationary, to, to be quite honest. A real working shrine, a real working altar is never going to be stationary. And that's something that I think sometimes the, the, the new participants um, don't quite get, how, how things show up in photographs, for instance. Not just video, but even in a photograph, when it relates to shrines and altar work within the confines of a particular system. So if you're working within, uh, if you're if you're working that altar, that shrine, consecutively, consistently, you know, over over a, a decent um, amount of time, it's, it's always going to be in progress. It's, it's a living thing. Um, it's a living entity unto itself. Neophyte Bokur, greetings, beloved. I'll greetings. Know. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good, good. Hopefully, hopefully good. All is a blessing. Yeah, just, just crossed through that, that, that ley line again. Um, didn't know if I was going to have signal, so I was just trying to test it out. Looks like everything is good on my end. Um, okay, now. Was, um, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't well, want to interrupt, um, because you were on a roll there, um, and it seems like everybody was kind of quiet, kind of satisfied with the answer um, about the separation between, uh, or realizing that there is a separation between witchcraft and, and voodoo, and and, the only, and a good way to try to see that back or, or back up that statement is to research the history watch, and watch the separation of culture. And know that there's distinctions between uh, uh, the several different paths that um, these different crafts, if you will, um, have taken. And one of them is a source and not just a path. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I also compare that, you know, in, in, in akin to how we sort of dissect India, for instance, and, and we take what part of Tantra is tantalized into us. We, we take what part of yoga is easy for us to apply. We'll, and then we put it in very, you know, Western, you know, language, very Western uh, uh, context. Um, I can remember a time when yoga wasn't that popular. I can remember a time when being vegan and vegetarian um, wasn't yeah. that popular. And we right. associated that to, you know, living in California, you know, or, or having been exposed to a much greener, you know, uh, env- environment. And, and now it's a part of many of our, our language uh, because of the Internet and, and, and how the Internet allows us access to so much information. Um, I remember in junior high school, when I was in junior high school, they referred to it as the Internet was in its developmental stages, um, as the superhighway, and so indeed it is a superhighway, but we don't all, as I'm sure you don't, Neophyte Bokur, you don't pull off at every exit, and you don't pull off at every destination, you know, unless right. there's a point and, and a purpose, you know, to it. And I'm sure that there are those who are set up, you know, just right off the interstate that know that there's no other gas station for miles, that know that there's no other you know, convenience store, you know, for miles. And, and we call those convenience stores, by the way, and we pay for the convenience, you know, of having access to those stores. 
Um, unfortunately, many yeah. of those stores operate as pseudo grocery stores in the middle of the black neighborhood. Yeah, they do. Um, it journey for me uh, personally is one that I have had some a lot of trial and error. It didn't come easily because I had lost my grandfather, and he was the one that was actually kind of, uh, uh, I guess you could say, guiding me on my path. However, I take everything, every lesson I learned from. Him, and especially with um, yeah, as a trigger now. And to be like how I treat Okay. You got to plan out your trip. Okay. Am I breaking up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. Okay. And it is the desert I'm going through. Plan out is this very powerful. Um, it's a lot of actually um, uh, Native Americans in this area that I'm at, and if you're in tune with it, you can feel it as you pass through it. I make sure my crystals are out and whatnot. But you, yeah, like I was saying, you, you have to plan out your journey with this work, with this, uh, with this way of life. You can't just you know jump on the highway and expect to get somewhere mm-hmm. without first knowing where you're going. What's your Okay, you 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 go on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you breaking up. I'll try to cut it. I'll try to cut it short. Um. So, uh, just my point is, like, when you're on this journey, um, uh, you brought up a great point. Always have your journal, and I hope a lot of us are that are in this circle here are you know, actually journaling our experiences so that we can go back and visit them later to learn from uh, uh, victories and mistakes, right? Because those things are, are always useful to be able to harken back to things that um, didn't go right and things that did go right. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you made a left-hand turn here, you really should have made a right. But now you know. Yes, I I say give thanks, and and I invite um, anyone with with questions or comments to join us either on phone or um, live here on screen. Um, if you're going to ask questions in the chat, you, you got to be very specific. Um, when I first see symbols, um, I think of Greece. That's the first thing that comes to my mind, and. As I was instructed, now Mommy Zogby is one of my number one all-time top-of-the-list authorities on, and particularly as it relates to voodoo. But where she and I don't necessarily agree is when we use Eurocentric words to describe something that would otherwise be considered African. Now, once you throw Mommy Wata in there, we can have a whole conversation on Mommy Wata, but what's the question? What I'm not getting is the question. What what are we, what's the question? And if you would mind so doing, come on and join me. Um, Eric code 850, who's calling and where are you calling from? Uh, Florida. Yes, who's calling? Do what? 
Yes, who's calling? Oh, uh, Michelle. Hey, hi. How are you today? Peace and blessings. Fine. Can you can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. I hear you fine. Okay. Yes. Now I can hear you. I, I thought it was just maybe it was my phone. Huh? Okay. Uh, I was wanting um some some spiritual insight on um my health. <clears throat> Or anything that you feel like uh, is coming through to you? Okay, now, beloved, I don't do live readings on air. It's been problematic. Once upon a time, I offered to do live readings for free, and it was problematic. Then I offered to do live readings for a small donation, and it was problematic. and, And you're asking a very personal question live on air. I invite you to send me a, a, a personal email, a direct email at divineprince at houseofthedivineprince.com and I'll be more than happy to assist you. Okay. Now, do you, what kind of questions do you answer on air? Well, right now we're talking, I believe, about Mami Wata, and I was trying to get some clarification about the Sybils and what Specifically, the group wanted me to speak to as it relates to that topic. Um, we were talking a little bit about the hurricanes and, and, and the weather and the spirits that interact with us within these traditions as it, as it relates to, to the weather. Um, we talk about many things within the dynamic of spirituality and religion, ATR, voodoo, within the dynamics of this show. It's just not a platform for free reading. And again, if I weren't clear, I've done that. And and many people in this audience have, have been here witnessing me do that. And it's problematic. It's problematic. And and I just don't do it, beloved. I appreciate you. If you want, you can send me an email. You can visit my website at www.houseofthedivineprince.com. I'll be more than happy to I'll be more than happy to assist you. Listen, I'm not going to keep giving it away, offering it for free, spending two or three hours here, you know, going without eating or, or, or drinking water, uh, just to not even get no support, just to not even get a comment, a like, a response, you, you know, and I've found that over the years that when you give something away, people don't value it. People don't value it. They don't value it any more than you value your high-end, favored, luxury product to what might be available at the 99-cent store. And you might love the 99-cent store, but you're not going to give your little girl your 99-cent, you know, your your high-end product to wash her baby doll hair with. You're going to give her the 99-cent product to wash her hair with because we have a very unusual sense of value here in the West, and particularly when it comes to ATR, our spirituality and tradition. And so it's, it's not tarot reading. I don't do tarot card reading anymore. I don't, I don't even step into that lane anymore. I, I want to be a voice, a catalyst for 
setting a record straight about what's real and what's not. When I'm getting paid to entertain, I entertain. When I'm getting paid to perform, I, I perform. But when I'm doing spirituality into religion and operating in the vocation of spirituality into religion, I got to be true to the ancestors. I got to be true to the spirit that I work with each and every day. And so I can't keep trying to bring this out of the realm of what's sacred so that it can be easily, readily accessible to meet people where they are to not even get a, man, that was great. Thank you. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And and the type of... And you can't keep doing it for a pat on the back or a pat on the head. Or the money. one of the reasons why I don't... Um, I don't sell what my astronaut um, of it. And people want to have because of what I put into it. But if I put it on Etsy or something like that, people can order it, then I got to make it in mass quantities. And then it just kind of loses its uniqueness. And that's one of the things I pride myself is the fact that each of my individual pieces are usually made for one person and that one person only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Who do a call is? I really like your yeah. question. I wish you were with us on the phone or, or yeah. on camera. That, that's a great question um, because spirit is more real, more evident, more tangible, more, more likely to manifest that which you seek than anything we can conceive of in, in the physical realm. So therefore, strengthening our heavenly bodies, our spirit bodies, and, and what the Yoruba referred to as Egbi, or, or your soul family, your soul clan, if you will, it, it's one of the goals of operating in balance within these traditions, building up that which is immortal, building up that which is impenetrable by, by the weather, by the, the material, carnal, lower energy things that, that we as humans operating flesh and clay have to guide, have to protect for, have to, have to guide for, have to have some instruction for. You know, we have, all have to be protected from the weather. We all have to protect ourselves from thirst and hunger you know, having having adequate, you know, shelter, you know, clothing. These are things that resonate on our second, third chakra within our lower nature, our animal nature, our indeed our human nature. Um, we need about as much as what other mammals need, say, from our humanness and our ego. That's at that, you know, most basic survival level. But is indeed your spirit body, your soul body, your heavenly body that we pull from, and particularly in those in those moments, those times of of indeed challenge. Now within Yoruba specifically, they talk about Ori, your head, and and Voodoo, Louisiana Voodoo, Haitian Voodoo. You you, you hear talk about Lave Tet, you know, or, or to cleanse. Or, or to purify the head. And so there are, are those outward, ritualized, ceremonialized a- a- adaptations of medicines, herbs, 
plants, you know, that we mix together, that we create to cleanse the, the, the physical apparatus that's associated with your, your now, when I say lower chakras, I don't mean your first, second, and third. I mean seven. Because when you start talking about your heavenly bodies, you are now indeed extending beyond just your seventh chakra. You're now going into the realm of Ori, the realm of your higher self, your God self, your God consciousness. Another strong tool God built into the machinery of the planet to utilize in that endeavor is rock crystal. Uncut, unpolished, the less tampered with by humanity, the better. Not, not might be broken off from a cluster, which makes it a single terminated point. Uh, it might be double terminated, which means it grew in clay. So it was able to form a, a more perfected point on either end. Or a self-healed point, if you will, where you have little uh, triangles, little pyramid-like structures that form on the otherwise unperfected end of your quartz terminator. Those are called self-healed, and, and they teach us the the properties of self-healing, how to heal yourself from the inside out, from the energetic level, the emotional level, the spiritual level, the mental level, you know, the ethnic level, the many levels to who we are as a being, as a, as a spirit. And just like we take minerals and vitamins that don't require us telling exactly where in our body it needs to go, I like the ability of rock quartz to address those gray areas, that shadow work that we often don't know where to address, don't know how to address, in some cases, we might be in, in denial of the, of the addressing, if you will. But the light, the light that is emitted from the court, that is saved in the court, that is drawn from nature, from, from the stars, from the sun, from the moon, indeed from, from ourselves, because our bodies also emit a certain amount of, of light and light energy, the court helps us to fine-tune that healing process in a way that I have, in, in my half a century or more of life, um, have not found duplicable in any practice and or tradition. Uh, indeed, if someone wanted a, a practice, a tool, an implement that's not religion-specific, that's not, you know, path-specific, that's not lineage-specific, it will be the realm of crystal. The only challenge there is is doing the work. You don't have a mentor. You don't have someone to, to tell you to meditate, to tell you to do your work, to tell you to, okay, you need to schedule in, you know, breathing. <laughs> you know, these are the things that we learn when we study what meditation is. Uh, and I particularly favor transcendental meditation and instructive books that reference transcendental meditation, um, hoodoo occultism, for learning circular breathing, number one, uh, how to draw in light with your with your mind, with your third eye, with your imagination, if you must at first, to envision yourself drawing in light when you are doing your moon meditation, when you are doing your sun meditation, when you are doing your water um, 
meditation. And so there are many levels of, of work that could be done with just quartz crystal alone in, in amplifying um, your, your heavenly body, as you worded, but your light body and all of its connectivity, really from the ground up to the sky. We like to draw light fully into our bodies, fully into our vessels, just as we like to draw air and oxygen when you're doing meditative breathing, circular breathing, and you're conscious to make sure you're breathing as deeply as as possible. So, too, you want to be sure that you're conscious to bring light as deeply as possible into your your body and and all of its its, uh, frequencies. Another great stone is amethyst, which for centuries has been considered an, an, um, a sobriety stone. Now, you may not specifically be looking for, you know, 12-step type sobriety, NAAA type sobriety, though it's absolutely great for that. But there are other types of sobriety that we might require, you know, sugar, as it relates to sugar as it relates to our intake of negative energy and output. Um, something that me and my mom talk about, sometimes joke about, sometimes extremely serious about, is the dangers of the homepage. Facebook, Twitter, I avoid the homepage at all costs. Usually I have no idea what's going on in social media if someone doesn't tell me, if someone doesn't bring it to me. Because a part of my healthy routine is to avoid the homepage. Instagram, avoid the homepage. If I know you, we're in communication, I seek you out, that's one thing. You know, but to just scroll the homepage where all your political mumbo jumbo is, all your racist, sexist, homophobic, ignorant, stuff is, I avoid the homepage at all costs. And I think, too, hoodoo occultism, in terms of elevating our vibration, elevating our energy, we underestimate sometimes the effect that um, that um, any type of energy that we're taking in has on us. It's, it's not just you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend that calls up that likes to gossip. It's not just, you know, those of you who just refuse to watch the news, but you on Facebook all day. <laughs> you know, you hate CNN and, and Fox and MSNBC, but you're on Instagram all day. Um, and then you are absorbing that level of, of, of news. And we know that that level of, of news and information is, is not always vibrating at the higher octave at the higher level. Even when we think of the real quirky, snappy, popular, you know, positive memes are often painted from a position of me, myself, and I, self selfishness, you know, overcoming, you know, the aggressor, battle-like language. And there isn't a whole lot of room for what's healthy, what's wealthy, what brings about wholeness, what brings about balance, what brings about peace. Um, There's some real popular posts right now um, that people are just consumed with um, about me. Um, 
but they're everything to do with people's feelings, people's egos, people's sense of competition, you know, as, as it relates to who and what we're demonstrating in this room, as opposed to who and what we're demonstrating in this room, which is health, wellness, vibrating at a much higher level. I also um, want to acknowledge, too, hoodoo occultism um, in that question, your own personal work and the work of many others who are addressing ancestral work and divination. Um, I said earlier on in the show that, you know, even if you take it from a biological perspective, you know, at the at the point of insemination and, and the forming of the the embryonic life, your blood is one of the things that's there first. Yeah, you're forming tissues and, and veins and capillaries and, 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 and all other sorts of, you know, structures within the, the dynamics of your humanness. But it's indeed our blood is one of the first things that show up, that arrive. Um, I'm sure there's some medical experts that might speak, you know, to how soon we develop ancestral memory. How soon do we develop uh, dreaming, for instance? Women who, who've experienced pregnancy, you know, might experience movements, you know, from from the child, from the infants, you know, which might register as as dreaming. And and, and I've been around mothers who know when when the child is is dreaming as opposed to just hungry, you know, or, or just as, uh, you know, or as opposed to just being you know agitated in the moment. So that connection to our ancestors, and then that connection to our head. Our head is one of the first things to begin to develop in nature, and one of the last things to really develop any level of maturity, even before we enter the birth canal. So there's a connection, direct connection between ancestral work and divination and how we address our heads, how much time we spend in our heads, how much exercise and activity. I, I don't mean just daydreaming. Daydreaming has, has a value. Daydreaming has a point. But we don't call meditation daydreaming and vice versa for a reason. Daydreaming is just that, you know, involuntary. You, we're not necessarily focused in on any particular thing, any particular goal, any particular vision. And you too might carry that into your meditative state. But as you grow in your meditative practice, as you grow in your, your prayer practice, because I say prayer is, is a state of asking and reciting and projecting, and hearing is a state of meditation. And then manifesting is a whole third separate category from those two, because then you introduce creative visualization where you are now consciously deciding before you go into your meditation, before you go into your prayer, what exercise you might be fulfilling or indeed what thing you might be looking to see. So there are even in our meditative practices, there's more than just sitting still. It's more than just being quiet. It's more than just, you know, the recitation of OM even if you've gotten as far as, as awareness of, of OM. And so, who, uh, not who do we call it, it's a neophyte, we, we talked about that a little bit earlier. When we take those 
those bits and pieces out of these various cultures and traditions and then have, you know, lacked the, the bookwork, the homework of real understanding of, of what's attached to those, to those practices. I don't think we're doing ourselves due diligence, nor are we giving any particular practice its due diligence. We're too quick. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right on that. I mean, um, I remember um, at an early age learning my chakras and uh, trying to figure out how how it actually works. What's the function of it, right? Um, how how does it how does it work? You know, what does this button do? You know, in my my younger state of mind, and actually stumbling on another book that showed me um, how to activate them physically. Um, I'm not, I can't recall where I found the book. Um, I'm going to have to go back and, and research that. Uh, actually, I know the exact person um, to go and talk to, but I definitely have to come back maybe on the next show and share, um, share this person that actually showed me these different books where uh, I can actually research this, but it showed me how to actually activate individually the, the, the chakra itself. And I did this at an early age, but then studying further into it, um, I realized that at a certain age, you're not supposed to activate chakras until you reach a certain age development. And it, for me, it was already too late. I had already went into learning how to activate them and realized later that I started activating my chakras way too early. And this is an easy way for a person to corrupt a, a chakra and you can end up sick physically or mentally sick mm-hmm. physically. And trying to open that those those chakras up at, at too early an age could actually be devastating for for an undeveloped mind. And one of the quickest ways we do that, y'all not going to like what I'm about to say, it's, oh, practice, it's, 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 it's with your sex magic. It's with your sex magic. Now listen, listen, listen. I, I have great honor for Mama Zogby, but me and Mama Zogby ain't that are apart in age. Listen, listen, young people, listen. Me and Mama Zogby ain't that far apart in age. Mama Zogby has her idea, her opinion about things. I have my idea and my, my opinion about things. We don't expect every ELA, every house to, to be exactly the same. And, and, and some of you seek out Mama Zogby how, and see how easy it is to initiate with her. To study with her. Seek out Iyanla Van Zandt and see how easy it is to study with her, to initiate with her. That's all I'm saying. Now, now we've mixed up some real modern, catchy, popular stuff with, with sex magic, and, and that's all the rage. But there's no real contextual basis for that in, in, in these traditions uh, outside of some other things which none of you seem to have brought up. <laughs> you know, like, for instance, in, in Babylon, you know, and, and, and the 
prostitution that went on, you know, in some of the, the quote-unquote religious and, and spiritual temples, you know, and, and how that, too, was seen to be a, a digression from something of a higher nature. Sadhus, if, if you're familiar with sadhus, with the long dreadlocks in India, you know, who sometimes sit in, 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 the, yoga, in the yogi position or, or sometimes do other, you know, uh, acts that might seem, you know, somewhere between uh, meditative and, and magical and, and maybe even a little bit of self-torture. Uh, but, but their whole job is about transcending the physical for the spiritual. So they deform their right. they genitals. They tie weights to their to they genitals, you know, to, to increase its, its, its length and its size, not for the Western idea of length and size, but, but so that it don't work. <laughs> and, and so that you transcend the physical and move on to the spiritual. Now, to the modern eye, that sounds crazy. We all about our flesh right now. We all about living out our spiritual appetites right now. We all about, you know, this post-sexual revolution of which I grew up in in the 1960s, you know, to this sort of free-for-all, I'm a little bit of this, I'm a little bit of that. I can, I can do a little bit of you and I can do a little bit of, of them, you know, and, and that might be okay for you. That might, but don't mix it up with indigenous-based systems that never had a connection to that, never had a, a connection to this modern adaptation of of consciousness that we're seeing manifest primarily in in social media. We we don't see it outside of of social media, and I challenge yeah. someone to to bring evidence of that. Yeah, I want to kind of drop a bomb in here, too, if you don't mind. Um, uh, we got uh, a lot of people right now, what's popular, especially for uh, black people right now, what's well, been always been popular, but the Ankh itself, we already know what it symbolizes, the, the divine feminine. We understand that. But I've learned uh, some years back, uh, quite a few, I think maybe about 10 years ago, I found out that the Ankh is not only just a symbol, but it was a tool. It is a advanced, um, and I, I'm not sure if I should be giving this away or not, but it's an advanced tuning fork. It's an advanced tuning fork, not just for your Kundalini, Right? There's a lot of people who have studied the chakras, know about the kundalini and the, spot and the, the serpent that goes from um, the root chakra to the crown chakra. And then you have the advanced chakra, the eighth chakra, which is your Christ mind. It is all just a key to unlock your Merkaba. Mm-hmm. The, 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 um, the Ankh technically um, is a way of being able to amplify your kundalini to unlock the Merkaba. And the Merkaba is how you travel um, uh, not from astral projection, if you will, but it is more along the lines of being able to... uh, The only thing I can equate it to is like wormhole jumping, when you're not just going from 
uh, universe or planet to planet, which is you can astral project technically, you know, planet to planet, you know. But this will be more along the lines of traveling from star to star, from universe to universe in your Merkaba. This is way, way more advanced than just uh, the tantric um, uh, meditation and understanding of the, 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 the chakras. Now, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to give that away, but if you guys are going to, if everybody's going to be on the same page, I just want to drop that kind of bomb out there. We can come talk about it later. I appreciate that. I, I want to I wanna address who the occult is too before I, I get too many questions lined oh, yes, up in the chat. Um, how do you I'll care, my, uh, mic on mute. How does good character protect us from dangerous situations? That is not as simple as, as karma, but at the same time, it is an active tool in how we look at and, and process what karma is and how karma shows up. Um, doing doing right, doing good, being of good character or balanced character creates a vortex of energy. It, it creates a, a a stream of energy that must replicate itself in in the creative universe, in the creative space, and then comes back to you. Now, when we think of it in the most literal terms, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily save you from the car accident. It doesn't necessarily save you from, you know, uh, the health complications. But, but those things could absolutely be a derivative of ancestral energy, past life energy, scenarios that exist that precede this life cycle and indeed after this life cycle that we can't necessarily connect with or see to in, in the most present moment. No matter where we are in the world, we see God as Alpha and Omega. No matter what language we say it in, what culture or tradition we, we, we practice it in, in, in Ifa, Odu, that might be Agbi, the beginning and, and the ending, if you will, of, of all things. So when we think about dangerous situations, situations, dangerous scenarios from a very human perspective, that might be very different from the lion and the gazelle, from, you know, the bird and and the insect, from bacteria and and how they show up in in what we would humanize as warring or dangerous or combative combative, uh, scenarios. Indeed, it can increase your light output, being of good character, doing righteousness can increase your light output, which can therefore be magical unto itself in the prevention of what would otherwise be negative occurrences. We've been forced to sort of examine that uh, through a Western English cipher, you know, when we think of words like luck or uh, well-being, or even words like being blessed or being uh, anointed or or somehow being divinely protected. And when we start using all that language, um, it often drudges up religion and and, and connections back to religion. Uh, Whereas with Yoruba in particular and and Ifa, the words have a have a literal meaning, have a figurative meaning, have a spiritual meaning, have, have a sort of a supernatural, you know, quantum metaphysical meaning. 
depending on how they are utilized and how they are um, applied. The definition of ifa um, is the spirit of divination or, or the, the system by which gives us divination within a particular ethnic group. So ifa is specific to Yoruba, whereas afa is specific to uh, Igbo, and, and fa is specific to the fan, and each ethnic language is going to have a, a, a linguistic specific word and word usage for how it defines uh, how we generally look at what Ifa is in, in this group. And that is that system of, of binary coded language that speaks on the divination board in the, in the um, performance of a, of a, of a qualified divination system, wh- whether that be with palm nuts or cowrie shells um, within the ATR, the ATR tradition. Um, let's see. Yeah, fa is specific to the fawn. Afa. Is, is specific to uh, uh, and not just the Igbo, but I also believe the Ewe also say Afa. Ifa with an I is, is just specific to the Yoruba in particular. And it is why I often reinforce, you know, the notion that we are, as African Americans and many others who are, who are sort of appropriating Yoruba culture, we do so by way of Orisha without acknowledging Yoruba culture, without acknowledging all the other uh, traditions, all the other traditions that are with. And so, yeah, um, Mama Zogby talks a lot about Fa, Afa. And Ifa tradition in her book, in her in her work. Yeah, Ifa is indeed divination in the Yoruba culture. Afa is specific to another culture. Fa is specific to another culture. What's similar? Um, yeah, Goddess Initiative. Um, once upon a time, Iyana Van Zant pushed that out a little bit more to the forefront. Um, she's pulled it back in the most recent years, and, and I can't speak to why. Um, I'm aware of it, but, but, and many who've read her books um, are aware of it, but it's not what you would call common knowledge for some reason at least not right now. Um, in making my argument, I, I think it should be. I think if people understood that about who uh, Yana Van Zandt is, then they may be able to put her fictional life in, in a different context and may indeed see that context mirrored in some of what I do and how I operate. Um, but that's just wish, wishful thinking. 
That's just wishful thinking. Uh, now, help me with your questions, your comments, your requests. I'm going to move it forward shortly because I can be. Uh, I never did get the questions that we wanted to discuss about Mommy Wata. What what specifically were we to address about Mommy Wata, or, or was that it? Y'all wanted to talk about the Mommy Watson and the sex magic aspect of it again. <laughs> well, maybe that was it. <laughs> Listen, I- I'm too old for y'all to change my perspective on that. It doesn't mean you have to agree. It don't mean you have to like it. But I'm too old to change my, my perspective on that. And-, and it's not about being old. It's about being too old to re- redo 30, 40 years of my experience in these traditions to sort of make that fit into what I do, what I teach. Um, it's not something that I, I'm, I teach. It's not something I plan to teach. Um, it, it is something that I come across in my practice every now and again, and usually not in, in the best way, usually not in, in the most healthiest way. Uh, I, I have a client right now just caught up in in spirit and Jen associated with his application of, of this very same sex work that you all associate with feminine energy and divine energy, which, which is a completely separate thing from how sex work and sex magic is being um, portrayed right now in, in popularized culture. Yes, thank you, um, Chandra C. Um, you always have really good, credible points. Um, there are many celebrities um, that are involved in the practices or involved in the traditions. Um, they leak their truth often symbolically. It may be in what they wear. It may be in some, some color. It may be in what is placed strategically on the set. Um, but there aren't very many that stand up loud and proud and openly with it, um, in my opinion, because the main um, and the main um, I lost my train of thought, uh, primarily because the main um, demonstration is it, cut off from the from the root, from the source. Um Pambagira, along with many other um, spirit forces, spirit powers in the Latin, Hispanic community, south of the border community, um, are associated with many things that we might consider not necessarily righteous endeavors. And so the protection of, of prostitution, for instance, or drug dealers, or gambling, which you know, you all may not realize once upon a time was seen as a vice. Um, and, and even drugs and alcohol have always been given to some deity, some power within many of the traditions, including Louisiana voodoo, to address. We see it to a much stronger degree in the uh, popularized police shows that expose the inner workings of you know, drug cartels and and Mexican uh, mafia um, 
drug killings, and, and even the introduction of uh, Paulo, Paulo Mayombe and other um, darker forms of Paulo, even in Florida. Uh, I can remember seeing articles as early as the 1990s finding people's abandoned pots, for instance, you know, in, in the woods in Florida, you know, in the swamp in, in Florida. Now, mind you, it's not good enough to just throw it away. You can't throw it away. That's against taboo. You can't just give them away. Often when people die, when people pass on, family members won't take uh, some of this work because of the volatile nature of, of the spirits associated with it. So it's, it's not new. Um, I'm not necessarily in agreement or disagreement with it. It's not something that I personally, um, you know, espouse or support. I think that when we look at those, those communities that do use and bind these powers um, to protect them in, in the fulfillment of some of their, uh, their work, we have to, to look at, you know, the, the value system, the, the sense of morality, the, the, the specific mores of the individual. And I think that can be applied in any religion, in any tradition. You, I'm sure you got wicked priests that ride Catholicism to the very end. We, we know we got wicked evangelical ministers who rode evangelical ministry, uh, ministry to the end. Um, and, and, and so, too, there will be those who will often and always seek to harness uh, the dead, to seek to harness other people's ancestors, uh, including yours, you know, to do whatever frivolous, you know, or, or lower energy thing they might want to uh, address. And, again, this ain't popular. But this is my truth. <laughs> it's the doorway into witchcraft. It's the doorway into witchcraft. The minute we start inserting ego, how we feel, you know, what we want, you know, and and and, and then shut down the voices of divination, shut down the, the voices of, that would speak to a higher higher calling, you indeed delve into the realm of witchcraft. And all humanity has the ability to be both divine and human. We have a divine will. So, so no God, no spirit force can, can force you to always do what's in your best interest. You've got to choose it. You've got to choose it every time you get up, every time you breathe. You've got to choose it. And I think there's a, a good Hollywood example or a Disney um, example of that sort of... Uh, that whole concept. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I've always been curious about Calypso, um, the character Calypso in the in in that series of movies. That uh, she strikes me as the actual Calypso, the statue found in Spain, uh, the monument of Calypso in Spain. And I'm trying to figure out if if there's a connection to Calypso in Yemaya. Um, and then the fact that in the Disney movie you've got the the pirates performing a a ritual, a rite, or to reverse a ritual or a rite that was performed on a previous 
ritual and rite, which was like the same exact thing that you were talking about, how it just kind of it borrows from other people's culture because of the relationship that they had between the two cultures and a sort of binding of the spiritual aspect of it and then someone else coming around, coming along and wanting to harness that power so they can control a, a, an aspect of economy. Economy being a way to control massive amount of people. Right? Not to, you know, connect dots where there shouldn't be con- uh, connecting dots, but I just found it to be really interesting that there is a whole monument uh, on the peninsula of Spain with the same exact name and function as the same people that, uh, as the same deity that's uh, worshipped or, or, or has a festival in Brazil and, and, and several other places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, tying back to slave trade, and, and actually yeah. that, that, would be, that would be before slave trade, but uh, but jumping on the, the coattails of slavery and, and slave, the slave trade, Uh, not, not to throw off the train of thought. Um, I'm not sure that there is a train of thought. Um, we're talking about so many things, and we keep yeah. coming back to um, Mami Wata. And again, I'm always reluctant to go into initiated information. Uh, I give Mom, Mama Zogby great credit for having some of the most detailed books that speak to these practices and, and that speak to these traditions. I wouldn't reveal what she won't reveal. <laughs> Most certainly, I certainly wouldn't share what she's not willing to share. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what exact art it is that we're looking for. I also want to speak to Pataki, which is a Lukumi Words for stories that relate to the deities, the Orisha, the Arumale, uh, and they are born from the Odus themselves, the, the 256 Odus. So, for instance, when throwing a divination, there is then a story, a pataki, a legend, if you will, that is told that give sort of the, the context for interpreting much more finer, specific, you know, career, health, wellness, you know, dark magic, et cetera. But, but they always start with the story, the legend. Uh, for example, some of you are familiar with Yemaya Olokun. Often you don't see a separation between Yemaya Olokun. You often hear... Yemiya referred to as the mother of the sea, but you also hear Mamiwata referred to as the mother of the mother of the sea. Mamiwata also has a very distinct and different root than than uh, Mamiwata than than Yemiya and Yoruba-based systems, and some would even debate the youthfulness or the newness of of Mamiwata. Some would even suggest Mami Wata was a path created specifically for the returning African-Americans in the 1960s going into the 1970s. 
Now, we can find roots, ancient roots for Mami Wata in various ethnic groups, in various traditions, but her mysteries have been lost. Her traditions have often been lost. And so Mami Wata is now robed in the practices and the traditions of various other ethnic groups, which is why Mami Zogby, in her books, often pulls from the very same platform for which I pull from, the Yoruba, the Ewe, the Fon, and, and to some degree, the Igbo. The Igbo. Uh, Mami Wata has some very unique symbolisms about her that don't mirror Yemiya. Some would say Mami Wata has some uniquely Mammy-like symbolisms about her that don't mirror Yemiya. And you see that same puffy dress, Mammy look on display wholesale in Brazil, by the way. To, to piggyback on what um, Neophyte Bokur was just, was just talking about. You, you see that in the dress, in the uh, sacred attire, if you will, of the Orisha as they manifest in Brazilian Candable. And, and it's a holy Mami Wata-like energy or vibration. Though Mami Wata, even in Brazil, is seen as a completely separate path a completely separate arena from other deities, from other Orisha. We also see Mami Wata a little bit uh, much more well-grained in Ghanaian ethnic groups like the Ewe um, and, and a lot of Ewe and even to some degree Asante um, uh, language also being applied to Mami Wata uh, characteristics. Um, I think it's also uh, important to note that both men and women can be Mami Wata priests. So again, people rest on um, what's Western about her, what's appealing to the Western palate uh, about her, and and then sort of toss out what else might remain. Um, as, as it relates to who she is and, and how she 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 stands up in the world, um, it is said that all children of the world belong to Mami Wata. It's also said that all children of the world fit beneath the skirts, if you will, that 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 puffy dress, if you will, of of Mami Wata. So it also speaks to great mysteries that again were lost through the Middle Passage. And, and ancient acknowledgement of Mami Wata, and, and, but also Mami can still represent those great mysteries, just as Yemayan Olakun do, that stand up in, in the existence of, of Yoruba culture, as it demonstrates through Ifa, through Ifa tradition. Ifa is not a religion. Ifa, Ifa is not the religion. There is no quote-unquote religion. If, if, we, if we're looking for a word that means religion, it is the spiritual, religious, cultural, ethno practices of the Yoruba people. So when I say Orisha romance, you're separating Orisha from Yoruba culture and all the other layers 
to to the onion of of understanding or understanding, depending on where where you are in the, in the spectrum of things that, that go into making what these these powers are, and they're all born Ose Ifa. They're all born in divination, and, and that's that's a key component that's lost here in the West, and, and it doesn't help it. When you all believe that Haiti created voodoo, when you all believe that Haiti is the is the is the global demonstration of what voodoo is, and there's very little that mirrors the Haitian demonstration of of voodoo and what goes on in Benin, Togo, Ghana, in Nigeria, and so there is no yeah. creation of of voodoo of trolls. In, in Benin or in Togo without divination. And divining cards, it's not, it's not specific to the system. It's not specific to the, to the tradition. So those Oriki, those, which is another Yoruba word, uh, beloved, who, 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 who mentioned the Patakis, those Orikis, uh, a, a prayer, um, See, see, every time we try and put it in the English words, that's when we start falling off. Um, and Oriki is like a, a prayer or a chant uh, or a hymn, you know, a, a spoken reference to the praise name of, of the deities. Patakis speak to stories, and they speak to the making of the deities, how the deities are born, how the deities are birthed, how, how a deity falls to earth if you will, depending on which creation story um, we're looking at, we, we might be uh, addressing. And so those Patakis would be specific to either an Odu or, or a particular circumstance, a particular request. You know, someone's passing, someone's being born, uh, a drought, um, harvest. You know, it, it, there's going to be a specific energy that's breathed on the board before spirit then moves. Very distinct difference between witchcraft, reading, and, and other more global world deep, you know, definition versus how divination is used within these systems. So there's a song within them. There's a praise within them. There are praise names within them. There, there, there are stories that uh, symbolize their history, their birth, their coming to being. Um, you sometimes see those Patakis and Oriki in Yoruba specific carved in wood. So in the divination chair, there, there are birds, there are, there are Iyami, there are carved ancestral heads, there are very unique waves and symbolisms that speak Directly to uh, a story, a pataki, a legend, a myth, if you will, that helps us to build context um, in terms of who any given power is within the traditions, but also how that power falls on the table. So whereas Mamiwata wouldn't possess or Yemiya wouldn't possess the Yemi, the, the Ianifa or the Babalao uh, or, or the reader, but they would possess the shell. They would possess the palm nuts and then be marked in the, in the dust, in the powder, 
on the board. And then from memory, oh, the stories are then pronounced. The stories are then recited. The stories are then told. And then once the story is told, it is then translated or digested or dissected to meet a specific request, a specific need, a specific uh, address. Uh, there was a time, and I still do it to some degree for my Patreon uh, participants. Um, I try to mark every Ose Fa, Fa, with a particular Odu. And particularly from the voodoo lexicon, from Togo, Benin, the stories that include Mami Wata, that include many of the other deities that we never talk about. <laughs> On this show, um, that because it don't come up in the Risha romance, so so there's a whole bunch of other deities and powers and, and forces that could be looked at, that could be addressed, that that are not being appropriated. And I say all the time, it's because of the language barrier. It's because of the language barrier. The Yoruba are the most prolific publishers in English. Of, of their their own tradition, you don't see that as much with the Fon, for instance, or, or the Ebwe, for instance. It also has to do with poverty, capitalism, income. You know what these parts of the world are, are living and existing in each and every day, and, and then how that shows up, and then our behavior is, is influencing that behavior, because now we're all getting a slew of you know fake Babalaws and Ianifas. And Instagram creeping up in your in your direct messages because they know you want to hear a word from the ancestors. They know you want to hear a word from spirit, but but we've then taken that that shortcut. Yeah, uh, um, Chandra C. That's that's a great point to be made. Um, there's always more than one person in your ceremony, um, and typically a group of people in your ceremony, so that it is confirmed, so that it is documented. There's always at least two or three people there older than me, um, so that, again, they can look at what falls on the board, what marks are made in the dust, and there's some validation to it. And and those are w- one of the things that is skipped, removed, you know, that's not involved in, in the modern display of, of witchery because no one wants to be held accountable to an elder, to a leader, to a group, to a community, not in this more modern Western context. And then there's all that other BS that's, that's in there, the, the ego and the feelings and the emotions and the mudslinging and, and, and the backbiting and, and, and the dog fights and the cat fights. And then all that other stuff, you know, comes, in, comes into play. When I would rather just teach, I would rather just share the tradition. Um, so uh, you all are handling it in the chat. Now, who are y'all talking about, Chandra? See, I missed something. Um, I have seen, oh, you all are still talking about Iyana Van Zandt. 
Um, that's not entirely true. I've seen many owls and babalows and ianifas without their ID on. Now, it might not be the best thing to do. Um, so let me put my disclaimer out there. Just like many folks was working voodoo, but your mama don't know, your auntie don't know, your grandmama don't know, you expect us to know and believe and accept it, but the members of your own house don't know. So I think, Sandra, there's still um, some hypocrisy there. Um, many are still going to church. Many are still involved in bishops and and pastors, you know, in, in their ceremonies and, and in their publications. So, you know, I think the idea is, is not the be-all to whether someone is operating, um, you know, as, as a, in the tradition authentically or not. I do think it's a sign as to whether they're operating in the tradition full-time most of the time or not. Um, so you're rarely going to see me out of character, out of sacred dress, out of sacred attire, Rarely, rarely. Um, do I wear shorts and go to the beach every now and then? You know, do, do I wear a suit and a tie every now and again, uh, particularly if I'm filming, doing a movie, TV, something like that? But chances are I'm going to be in, in my attire. Um, th- there's occasion that I take my silver off. Now, anytime I have to play a slave role, the roots underground, we remove all our jewelry. So, so there is the occasion, but I'm in agreement with you, Sandra, though, that there, you know, I've invited her on. I've been inviting Iyana Van Zandt on for a good part of 10 years. Um, she's agreed to it more than one time. Um, it just ain't happened yet. Um, so I don't want to put words in her mouth. I don't want to speak to it for her. I don't want to, you know, answer the questions for her, um, but I think that we could bear the question, you know, if, if we're going to look at it that way, um, man, I got some people coming for me right now, and, and I took a little journey on their Instagram page, little journey on their social media. Uh, maybe your account, your following w- wouldn't be as big as it is if you kept your legs closed. And you kept your clothes on. Because, see, I don't have to do that to get a following. But, but you're wanting to argue with me about spiritual, spiritualists and, and what protocol is for an elder, for an elder. Because the person that I'm referencing is every bit of 23, somewhere right, right around in that. And if a 23-year-old wants to wear a bikini and, and – do your thing, but you can't, girl, you can't sling mud at no almost 60-year-old and 70-year-old elders and practitioners, and your main draw on your page is not spirituality and religion. It's it's global world pop culture, <laughs> but it's not spirituality and religion. And, and 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 a few sage brushes and bushes and and you know and some 
seductive pictures does not an Orisha make, does not a tradition make. Um, so, yeah, I, I hear you about the publicity stunts, people doing things for the attention, people doing things that draw in a certain type of attention. Um, I've warned, seriously warned, that, you know, just like your 800 number commercials pull at your lowest coordinates, so too are some of the most popularized practitioners. They pull at your lowest coordinates. And I take pride in not being one of your popularized practitioners. I'm not that popular. Let's keep it real. I'm not that popular. And you either love me or you hate me. You either like what I'm standing on and you like sort of the truth that I'm coming from and you have some basis in, in, in these traditions that extend back a little bit in time and so you, you connect to this or you don't. Some of you find it entertaining, I'm sure, for other ways that I might not be able to clearly identify. But I don't do it for the popularity. If that was the case, I'd buy 100 followers just like you. <laughs> if that was the case, you know, I'd post a whole lot of, you know, women in bikinis and, and men in thongs, and I, I would do that too. You know, if my main concern was drawing in 100,000 followers, but that's not why I do this. I would do this if the room was empty. Did you notice the number goes up, the number comes down? I don't stop talking. I, I, don't, I don't skip a beat. I don't lose my rhythm, you know, and I'm grateful for the track record. I'm grateful for the resume. I'm grateful. I didn't just fall off the terminal truck yesterday, beloved. We're just now trying to figure out who you are and where you came from. I've been here. Been here almost a quarter of a century, been here in New Orleans, in this town, from the street, from a street vendor, to, to a musician, to a performer, to a spiritualist, to, to, to now world-renowned. Yes. And so you might not like it. You might feel some kind of way about it. That's your prerogative. But if I were you, I would invest in me. I would invest in yourself. I would invest in moving self forward. I don't have time to battle other practitioners. I don't have time to battle other readers. Um, I don't have time. L listen, I saw the question, who do occultism? I, I don't have time. L let them sling mud. I, I don't have to sling it back. I don't have to sling it back. And people who know me here on the ground in New Orleans know just how little mud slinging prints really do. Because some of my closest friends, they know how much of y'all business I really have. They know how much of the true stories I really know. Y'all like to talk. Y'all like to talk. And, and you'll talk to any willing ear. You, you, you like to talk. So, so a, a, a successful transplant can exist 20 years in this city and hear a lot of talk. So just like you're talking about me, they talking about you. I know what's true about what's being said about me, and just like you, you better know what's true that's being said about you. <laughs> okay? And I keep one foot in front of the other and keep it moving. Keep it moving. Already in the can. Already in the can. 
already in the can. Several projects already in the can. It's more for you to be mad about. It's more for you to be in your feelings about. Oh, oh, I know you thought it was the corona season and nobody was doing anything and nobody was filming and your life might be on hold, but mine isn't. The voodoo is never on hold. Voodoo is never on hold. Let's be clear. The ancestors is never on hold. Voodoo is never on hold. There's, there's always a new day, a new opportunity to get up and start again and to build anew. But, but the fake scaffolding, those never hold up. And if you live long enough to get some silver hair on your face, if you live long enough, you know, to get some crow's eyes, you know, some crow's feet around your eyes, you learn that. But it's often by the time you're 50 that you, oh, okay, wait a minute. Okay, so that they talk is not going to kill me. It's just seasonal. Because you, you come every every season, every time I do something and you find out about it, then then it's, then it's some talk. Then it's some talking and feathers are ruffled and people is, is, is losing their wigs. And I don't understand it. I, I just don't. And, and, and you do it to everybody. Everybody. Everybody that's successful. Everybody that makes some inroads. Everybody that grows. Everybody that, that seeks change. And it's often the people close to you. Sometimes it's your friends and your family. But it's often people close to you that want to keep you just where you are. Yes, um, DP, there are actually many cultures that fuse ATR and Islam. Now, in a most literal sense, when you think of Sufi Islam, and how it shows up in in Africa and in, in parts of the world, uh, which is said to be a more a more spiritual, a more mystical, a more um, magical to some degree demonstration of Islam. When you think of the whirling dervishes, for example, you know who wear the tall hats, you know with the you know, the, the tassel hanging off and they spin and they spin and they go into a trance and they do it to very unique and, and mystical music and they go into sort of a, a trance dream state. Now, your more orthodox um, Islamists might say, well, that's, you know, that's voodoo, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but it's indeed as you go back, even at Coptic Christianity, there, there's still a certain mystical element to those traditions that still carries the, the memory and the, and the reverberation of, of not just ATR, but indigenous uh, world tradition. A- animism, if you will. Uh, when I think about ATR uh, at its root, I, I think about animism. Uh, Alafia is said to be a Arab-rooted Word, not a Yoruba or or a Fon or or an Akan rooted word. Um, it, it is speculated that divination, as we know it, fa, afa, ifa, is derived from from the Middle East. Is derived from the the uh, trade route um, 
Timbuktu to Egypt to, to India to the Middle East, and that how we look at numbers and counting absolutely plays a role in terms of history and timing in, in some of the things that we see as uniquely Yoruba or uniquely Ifa or uniquely Voodoo, if you will, but carry an Islamic um, root. There are magic boxes, religious boxes, talismans that they will often sew into their clothing in Gambia, Senegal, Morocco, uh, that will house sacred texts from the Quran. But it's not very far removed from how you might view a a, a Gregory or protective amulet. So there is some some mixing that happens. There is a form of divination. The name escapes me right now. Um, But it's done in sand. It looks a lot like... um, the West African game boards that you see with the with the little scooped out pockets in them and, and the seeds and, and you and you see both grown folk and children sort of playing you know this this game uh, I think it's called a wari um, well it's very similar to a, a form of, of desert like um, divination that follows the Islamic culture in northern northwestern even northeastern Africa that's done in the sand. Those little pockets are sort of made. Um, sometimes there's a grid done, a grid drawn in, in the sand itself. And so an uh, animal, for instance, might run through it in the middle of the night and, and leave a particular pattern on the grid work. And then that grid is interpreted much like we do uh, the letters in, in the fog in the Afa, it is interpreted to fit a, a very specific um, need or request. Uh, there's also sort of the application of animals in a way that's not um, in line with the Western palate. Um, and, and so they will read entrails. Now, when we think about entrail reading, um, we're definitely becoming more and more indigenous. We're going further back in time um, in, in terms of how we view ethnic groups and, and cultures and the movements of people. But it is also a tradition that is still practiced in, in West Africa, Central Africa, East Africa, you know, the, the looking at the application of, of particular entrails of certain animals. Um, now, PETA and the vegans and the vegetarians, you know, they just weren't, they're not having that here in the West. You know, so there's this um, over encroaching reach of, of vegan vegetarian like approach to to these traditions that's not authentic that's not authentic to to the the you know uh, original application of, of these of these practices so we do find the fusing of ATR traditional African religious systems um, and Islam. I will say again, because of the language, it's not popularized because people are still not quite savvy in the West at moving in between Arabic and English and particularly Arabic characters. Um, then you're not seeing that level of appropriation in the West. 
you're not seeing that level of information showing up uh, in, in a search engine, for instance, in the West, unless you go looking for it specifically. So I've, I've come across it looking for it, and I've also come across it in studying other books and reading other material, DP. So there's definitely a, a fusion, if you will, of ATR and Islam. Some would even say it, it exists in Swahili culture. You see it there. Um, you also see it in uh, um, some of the Western, uh, more isolated like island nations. Um, oh my goodness, <clears throat> what's the name of that island? Um, Mauritania and and places of places of that region. You you see some mixing of of the indigenous with the Islamic. So it depends on the dominating culture. Where you see Catholicism dominant, you see the the appropriation. You see the synchronization. Where you see Islam dominant, you see the appropriation, you see the synchronization. Where you see Christianity dominant, you see the appropriation, you see the synchronization. Um, and, and it enters the realm of, of bastardizing when it's blatantly disrespectful, abusive, without context for entertainment or academic application. Um, and primarily for itself. I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, nearly everyone in positions of power or influence in America is doing work. America was built on it. <laughs> uh, if you understand who the Shriners and the Masons are, and and some of those craft craft uh, crafty master men who sort of are accredited with the, with the building of this nation. Um, I would say that that's more true than not, Chandra C., that there's a system um, influencing all positions of power, no matter how right or lack thereof you view power. Some of us have a very negative connotation of, of power, and others understand the appropriate application of power. But, but no matter how we look at it, it's absolutely, um, it's absolutely present. And there was a time in the African-American community, um, it was mandatory. Um, you know, first we weren't allowed to read. Then only a certain limited grouping of people were allowed to read. And then certain power and certain position and certain knowledge then became generational and, 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 and was passed down through certain channels within our community. Uh, those channels eventually became not just lodges and other organized uh, groups, but universities and, and HB, historically black um, colleges and universities and, and other religious and spiritual institutions that still dominate our community today. There's one that would otherwise dominate our community, um, which is primarily built around Orisha today. Uh, we see its footprint here in, in New Orleans, and it has become a bit of an elitist order unto themselves. They're not introducing Orisha into the community. They're not bringing Orisha back 
from West Africa uh, to the community. They're bringing Orisha back primarily for their own personal elitist, enclosed uh, monetary endeavors. So we see that application. We see that application um, everywhere there's humanity. We, we see that. Everywhere humanity is, is, is given space to take liberties. We see that. We see that. Listen, it's been a great two hours, um, but I got to keep it moving, y'all. <laughs> All is a blessing. I got to keep it moving. Um, if I wasn't able to address everything today, please forgive me. Um, we'll always have, there's always tomorrow, and we can uh, address some of your questions and your concerns again. Um, listen, it's a whole bunch of people hating right now. Um, and, and, and I'm going to address that before I, I close this out, because that's why some of y'all are here. Um, if I weren't doing anything, if I weren't relevant, if I weren't standing on any level of truth, I wouldn't be here. 